Welcome to another edition of NACA's American Dream Podcast. This is a production of the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. With me once again today, NACA founder and CEO Bruce Marks. Thanks again. You know, we've had such a great time with, the, with some of the stories, the history that we've gone through in our last few podcasts. It's all kind of leading up to one really key point, though. You've been at this virtually nonstop for almost 35 years. What makes you tick? Why do you do this? And, and especially at such an, with the incredible intensity and passion that you do. So let me take a step back to tell you, you know, where I, where I come from and give uh, a bit of a perspective on that. So, you know, growing up, I grew up in uh, a middle class uh, environment, you know, pre predominantly white um, in uh, Westchester County outside of New York City uh, and growing up uh, so and I had a uh, big stutter back then so um, uh, and so it really had a big impact on me uh, so growing up it was like I could I could relate to people that said you know one was discounted because they couldn't say what they what they wanted through the stutter so I was very self-conscious about that, so I, um, you know, was always making adjustments not to uh, be, you know, speak up in class or even to have parties where I would have to talk, you know, introduce people and use their names and things that I would block on. And uh, it just, you know, it gave me an affinity and a uh, feeling and understanding towards people were things that were out of their control because of the color of their skin and systematic racism and uh, you know things that talented people who could do really good things but were blocked and limited um, through no fault of their own through things that uh, they could not control and when you think about it you know not being able to say what you want uh, and to articulate your thoughts was a huge impediment just like people who are of color um, and uh, black or minority, uh, they, they can't take advantage of their um, skills or their knowledge or their opportunities. And so, you know, that, you know, I really worked hard uh, to do that. And I think it gave me a, a kind of um, an anger, uh, a fire in the belly of uh, fighting for that. So, you know, I think you have to have that, that anger. And the question is how you focus that uh, anger and, you know, and, or that resentment. And, uh, and I've always had that. And so, and then, you know, growing up, you know, having, you know, meeting people who, um, I think on both sides, people who had the opportunities and didn't understand that you know they they started out way ahead of everybody else, uh, and that sense of entitlement that a lot of white people and higher income people have, and then the respect for people who didn't have the same opportunities that I had, or that people like me had, uh, and so really the respect for them. But you know it's interesting because you know my wife uh, she found. Um, my grades. I failed kindergarten, and not only did I fail kindergarten, but even the second year, 
the, uh, my evaluation was so bad uh, that I, I, you know, they, they let me go through, but it was still like this guy's going nowhere. Uh, and then she found the grades and the evaluations through elementary school, which was equally um, um, problematic or, uh, or not very good. And then, um, you know, as I, you know, uh, I, went to, I uh, went to Greenwich High School, which, you know, which is a, a wealthy area, but not necessarily in the high school necessarily, because a lot of kids, you know, with the money went to the private schools. But there were a thousand people in my class. Each class had a thousand people, right? Mm -hmm. And it was involved in, in tiers. So you know, so you had the first tier, which is you know your advanced students, and right. the second tier. And I was in the third tier. Um, so you know, my parents said, "Oh, as long as you know the guy d d doesn't fail, he'll he'll be fine." So <laughs> it wasn't pushed to be you know more successful out there or you know, these, uh, uh, or to do that much better, you know, the expectations weren't that high, but I was in the third tier. So, you know, the people who I was friends with, my, you know, you know, my, you know, the, my friends, they were, you know, in the families who were taking care of the wealthy people. So they, you know, live in Costco and other parts of, uh, of um, Greenwich and stuff. So that's who, so I was in the, th in the third tier. So I didn't, know, uh, you know, a lot of the student body and to do that. So I think, you know, that kind of, uh, uh, that respect for the people that I, that I knew and, you know, who didn't come from uh, higher income uh, areas and the barriers that they had to um, overcome has always stayed with me. And, but I also think when you look at it that, um, you know, people don't see people on the other side as well. And I think you get that resentment, that fire in the belly, not just seeing the lack of opportunities that people, talented people have, other people have, but also the sense of entitlement that, you know, we now call white privilege on the, on the, the other side and the lack of talent and the lack of dedication and skills on the white privilege side. So I think when you combine the two and you get the resentment and the fire in the belly that I think is really, really crucial. And, and I think what you're seeing now is you're seeing, you know, almost a, hopefully the revenge of the third tier. And when I say that the revenge of the third tier, it's people who've been, who from day one, from day one have been categorized and put into this tier that they will not be successful, they will not have the opportunities, and they will not be able to take advantage of, they will not be able to prosper and in, in our society. So I think, you know, part of what NACA does, a big part of NACA does, and me personally, is the revenge of the third tier. And so, and that's what we do, and you know, so, you know, I, I, have the, I have the best job in this country. There's no better job out there. You know, I would never want to work anyplace else. And I've been able to sort of, uh, to recreate an organization that uh, deals with my personality as well, as well as um, uh, 
our mission of economic justice. And when I say with my personality is that I, have, I really like to be involved in a number of different things. So if you just put me into one thing and saying this is all that you're gonna do, I would have a really hard time doing that, yeah. right? Yeah. But I like the, the, uh, I like the opportunity to be involved in, in a lot of things. And I also have a, a mindset that I'm never satisfied. So I, I drive people a little crazy where it's like, <laughs> well, we've done this and this is really good. And, and the mindset is, well, can we do this? Or, you know, it's never good enough. And that's sometimes a little hard for people to accept, but it's really the mindset that we're in a unique position. And I'm in a, a unique position. Of, of running this organization and you know and what we have now is as when I said it's the best job in this country I mean just think about what we're able to do during the mortgage crisis in the home save program we were able to help over a quarter of a million homeowners directly save their homes so we would do these massive events as you know Tim you were there I was there <laughs> yeah. uh, where you know, in one day people would come in and they would be they'd leave with a reduced mortgage and maybe reducing it by a thousand dollars a month, or two thousand dollars, or hundreds of dollars, and they would they'd save their homes. And people would come up to them. I mean, I remember this one um, person. There's so many examples saying, you know, he comes up, a big guy, just a huge guy, uh, and he just hugs me and he says, you don't know what. Uh, you've done. I can now go home and I can kiss my children, my two ch children goodnight, knowing I've taken care of them. And then somebody else, you know, just was so excited that he had a, uh, you know, epileptic uh, attack. We said, oh my God, what happened? You know, he didn't get a, a, a solution. No, he got a solution, <laughs> but he was so excited. So, yeah, so emotional. You know, and so, you know, I mean, in a, on the purchase side, you know, like in Charlotte, uh, this, you know, this, uh, you know, woman, she was running around the office, just running around the office, saying, you know, what's going on? She, he closed on her home saying, you don't realize I'm the first homeowner in not just this generation, ever in my family, in any, you know, in any, you know, generation. And another homeowner says, you know, I didn't tell my children that I was going through this process. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell my children, you know. And then, you know, and I closed, and then I brought them to their home, and then they, they have their own rooms. We've actually got a wonderful video. I believe it's out there on our social media channels. Uh, I think I know the exact case you're talking about. It was a single father, and the video shows the car pulling up in front of the house, he gets the two kids out and he shows them the house from the sidewalk and says, well, here's what I got you for Christmas. And they're kind of bewildered and it takes them a moment and he says, I bought you a house for Christmas and those kids go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and that's what it's all and about. And it, it happens every day. I mean, it happens all the time. So, you know, and, and you know, so when you think about it with an, a staff that works unbelievably hard, you know, people, as you know, you and so many people work, you know, early in the morning, you know, till late at night, sometimes during the Save the Dream events, we'd be doing 24 hours straight mm -hmm. on that, get a few hours and then we get back there because the commitment of the staff 
is just, you know, un unbelievable. And the members are so, are, you know, so supportive. So you think about, if you, could, if you could define a job that says there's no downside, yes, there's a lot of work. Yes, there's a, there is a, a lot of responsibility. But yes, there's ability to do it the right way, to reinvent mortgage lending, to provide unbelievable home safe solutions for people who really deserve that affordable payment. And yet, to make it a, a standard out there for the country. And then, you know, the ability to, you know, take on the fight. You know, I mean, I um, get accused pretty frequently <laughs> of, you know, well, you're always looking for the fight. But there's truth in that. There's truth in that. And that is, you know, if you're going to accomplish something significant, that doesn't come because you asked for it. That doesn't come because you, you're doing the right thing. That, be, that comes because you're willing to take on and take on those fights. And, you know, so the idea, and that, so that, that, fits, that fits my personality, you know. Um, you know you know, I'm more, I, you know, when, when I um, started, you know, one of the things I started, when I started working with the, with the, with, with the Hotel Workers Union uh, in Boston, Local 26, and the head of it, Dom, the head of it, Dominic Bizzotto, he put me in charge of communications. Uh, and, you know, this is a high profile local union. And people said to him, you can't put him in charge because he stutters. How, what's going to happen, you know, when he gets in front of the camera and all that? And he said, no, I want someone there who is smart, who knows the information and is relentless. Uh, and, you know, I remember, I mean, the first one in 1988, the, uh, uh, we end up getting the agreement on the contract. Uh, we're at uh, the Heinz Convention Center and in, in, uh, in front of the camera and the guy says, uh, we're going live uh, and you got 15 seconds, don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, oh my God, if I block on this, you know, yeah. I, I was petrified. But, you know, you know, if you look at things where you can take a negative and make them in, in a, to a positive, that's the way. So the most difficult thing I've had to do is to do the media, to do the communication piece, because I, I was always more comfortable doing stuff behind the scenes. And with Dominic Bizzotto, who was my mentor, you know, learning from him, but he was always be out there. So right. to me, the hardest thing was being out there. You know, obviously I do it now, but you know, so the mindset of saying, you always look at things and saying, you you know, you're always going to run into difficulties, whatever campaign. Uh, you're always going to run into roadblocks. But the thing is, how do you make a negative into a positive? So like what we're doing now, we're doing the rolls to the polls. Well, we've never done that before. Right. You know, just like we never did the home save before, or we never did the achieve the dream events for home buyers before. Uh, we've never done this before. But you know, if you get into something and you have the flexibility and one's hands-on, then and you have an awesome staff with it's you know Kim Kim Worthy with her team with the map team and other people out there you know you know who work day and night. Well, then you figure it out you know as you're going through it and the ability I think to adjust quickly and that's one of our strengths. I mean, 
we make changes all the time. Now, people will say, because again, it's, it, there's, there's the double-edged sword of saying, well, didn't we just change this uh, the other day? <laughs> yeah, but there's a better way to do it. Uh, so the ability to make changes and the ability to, you know, be able to take on the fight, you know? I mean, I think what gets people, one of the things that gets people really nervous about NACA, not our membership who loves us, but the existing players out there is that we control our own destiny. So think of a job where you, can, where you have a mortgage that is the best, factually the best mortgage in America. You know, no down payment, no closing costs, no fees, not looking at one's credit score, and today's rate is an unbelievable 2.125% 30-year fixed. I mean, just think of that, and that how we have structured that mortgage. And, you know, yes, I mean, I'm hands-on. I don't have an assistant because I believe that the way that one is uh, successful as a CEO is that you get the feedback directly from people who are doing the work. So it's, you know, because I have so much respect for people who are actually doing the work, they're the ones who, you know, my job is to take their feedback and to operationalize it for, for the organization. So we wrote, you know, we have a 388-page uh, policies and procedures. <laughs> but it's a policies and procedures that is reinventing how lending gets done in this country. And then, you know, going forward, there's so much of an opportunity and because we're never, I'm never satisfied, and there's, you know, there's always gr other great things that we're going to be able to uh, do in fighting for economic justice. So, you know, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, so yeah, so for me, you know, you know, with you with COVID, yeah, it's hard for me to sit in front of a screen all the time. So I love to be out there. I love the campaigns. I love the interaction. I love to see the results. And I love the fight. Uh, and, uh, you know, I see all those things as challenges and opportunities, but you see the direct impact on people's lives and the appreciation that people have. So, yes, I mean, there's always ways to do it better. But uh, people r really respect what we're doing and our mission and as good as it's been for the last 35 years, the best is yet to come. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's one of the things you mentioned earlier is the way we change things. And I think the real strength in that is that we are able to change and pivot very quickly when necessary. Where you go through a lot of other organizations this size or larger, yeah. it gets bogged down in bureaucracy. We don't do that here. And that's, that's a direct result of your being very hands-on in the day-to-day -day operation of this organization, unlike most CEOs. Yeah, and it's also the mindset that if you build it, they will come. And I think that's true because a lot of times you go out there, a lot of places go out there and say, well, give me money, give me funding, and we'll build it, right? Our, our, that's not our mindset. Our mindset is if you build it, they will come, and they are coming. Because if you do it the right way, not take corners, Look, I live in a glass house. You know, I mean, I've been, I've been profiled on the front page of the Wall Street Journal three times. And that might have been more than anybody else. And one of the times they said, you've gotten too much positive press, we're going to take you down. They've actually said that to me <laughs> on that. 
But the point is, is that people have this mindset that, you, that if you're an advocate, then you can't do the operational piece well. And if you do the operational piece well, you can't be an advocate. But we've combined the two out there, so that gives us the ability to do unprecedented um, um, stuff out there. But because I live in, uh, not just because, but I recognize I live in a uh, glass house, but also what my mindset is, we do the detail stuff well. So people never, so when the Wall Street Journal said that to me, and they said, well, we're gonna look into your operations, I said, great, because they're gonna see just how extraordinary that is and how we don't cut corners, how we pay attention to the details, how we do it the right way. So it's like, you know, I wanted to get it, I wanted that, it was actually a conscious decision where I said, you know, where I sort of wanted them to think that they're going to find something bad. <laughs> so I wanted them to go into that, you know, that canyon of, uh, of our operations and see just how extraordinary the work is that we do. And so I think that's what gets people crazy in, in the sense that they can't get their hands around that we're so good at the operations as well as so aggressive in our advocacy where we hold people personally responsible. And the regulators, you know, we're a licensed nonprofit mortgage broker. So we're highly regulated. But, you know, but they really appreciate, once they learn what we're doing, in the process, these regulators who, who do important work out there, they really appreciate what we're doing out there because they see the worst out there. They see all those predators out there and they're limited in how they can, what they can do in terms of taking action or we think they should take more action but they really appreciate us and we do, and we make it easy because we always do it the right way. We don't cut corners. So yes, we'll, we'll do nonviolent illegal activities, whether it's trespassing or whatever that is to hold people accountable. And we'll take the, the uh, responsibilities. It's always nonviolent, but it's always, it's doing it standing up for people. You know, you know um, social justice. You know, and that's what we're on the shoulders of the civil rights movement. So, you know, people give me a lot of credit for stuff, but you know, it's, it's gotta put it in the proper perspective. And the proper perspective is people have fought and died in the civil rights movement in this country and in other fights for economic justice around the world. So what we do, whether it's the civil disobedience, all that, pales in comparison to what other people have fought and died doing. So I think you've got to keep that in the perspective of what we're doing. So, you know, I, I have a great job, a great, uh, unbelievable staff, 2.7 million members, and just that opportunity. But, you know, you've got to give that much more credit and deference to people who put their lives all out on the line every day sometimes give their lives. So we're on their shoulders, and therefore we have an obligation to take it to the next level. Whether it's Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or the civil rights leaders who, you know, some who are not well known, who've been doing that work, or people around the country to, who every day fight for the rights of others. So that's where we stand, and we continue to take on that fight for economic justice. One last question as we run short on time here, and this one might be just a little unfair, but forgive me on this one. 
at the end of the day, what is going through the mind and the heart of Bruce Marx? And, and perhaps more importantly, where do you see yourself perhaps you know, when, when, it's, when all is said and done? Where do you see yourself as, as a part of, of moving this country forward? So, so I think when you look at that, so I, let me answer it in a couple of ways. One thing, I think you got to look at what's moved the country in, in um, different directions, not ones that I would agree with, but how they did it. And that's whether it's, it's the Tea Party or the Christian Coalition or people on the right, because they've moved the country. I disagree of how they moved it, uh, where they moved it to, but I think you got to look at those examples to say how do you move it in a more pro, um, progressive way. So you got to learn from that. But the way that I see, see myself, because people say, well, you know, when are you going to retire and all that? And I say, I'm not going to retire because I have the best job out there and I wouldn't know what else I would do <laughs> because I work all the time, you know, so you ask my family that, I, that I, I, I work all the time and I don't have an assistant and I have one cell phone, so, you know, and I always respond. But, you know, where I see it is, is that, you know, NACA because you know we want to redevelop the staff to move up to take more and more of the, the responsibilities that I take that I have and to put it on those uh, other staff people as they move up because you know when when you look outside and you say well can other people come on in and do parts of what I do or even take over what I do I don't see it I see the people being able to take that responsibility and to do that are people that are moving up through through the ranks of NACA. And you see people have been with NACA for 10, 15, 20 years now. You know, so it's, 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 it's personal. It's part of the, being part of the NACA family. And that's where I see it. And, you know, people say, you know, say, oh, one's a visionary, or I'm a visionary. I don't, that's not true. I don't buy that. Because people can talk about, you know, a vision. And people can dream. I don't do that. I really believe it's all around the operations. It's all around implementation. That if you take those ideas and you do it one step at a time and one step at a time, because if you plan too far advanced, you're gonna be stuck on a path that is likely not to be the most effective. So you gotta be flexible in that. So I don't, I don't have a vision of that sense. I believe that if you continue to build it, you take it, at, you, know, you build it and you implement it well, that will create other opportunities. And that's happened. I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you one uh, quick story. Um, I was away uh, at a, a Save the Dream event. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was there. I mean, sometimes I'm on the road for a month or so. Like down here, I'm on the road for a month. And I get back, and someone says, this, these people have been trying to uh, call you for a week and say that, that they want to give NACA money, right? And so I, you know, I didn't pay attention because you know there's a lot of scams out there and all that. So finally, I called the person back, you know, late that morning, and says, uh, "We we uh, want to send you uh, 1.3 million dollars." I said, "Sure, you know, mm -hmm. you know." And and they said, um, "You know, give us your account number." Mm -hmm. So stupid me said, "Oh, okay. Here's here's my account number." And uh, I go out and I went for a jog, and I say to my wife, you know, I gave this person who said that they wanted to give us $1.3 million uh, the NACA account number. So I came back and I really panicked and said, well, you know, 
what happened to the accounting staff said, well, they moved in the money. Well, it turned out that it was people who we had actually fought with uh, on the lending side, on, uh, and you know, some of these lenders out there, but they had money uh, left over. And yet, even though we had fought with them and we pushed them to do that, they really respected the work that we did, and they, they, gave, they gave a you know, contribution to NACA of $1.3 million. And so it just reinforces the fact that, you know, that, you know, funders out there, you know, I don't think any group should ever go to a funder to request money. I don't believe that should be true. I think that should not be the case with uh, the Boston Foundation or the Ford Foundation or, or any of those. I think that the ways that the things should be funded is the funders should look to see, should go and see what are the organizations that are most effective in getting the job done towards their mission, and they should write people a check in terms of that. And that might be naive, but it's worked for us. It's worked for us, and I think that's a good model to have out, out there when you do the right thing and you do the detailed work. And the last thing I'd say on that, if you say the one skill you have to have, the one skill is to be relentless. That is the defined skill. So when I talk to people and I say, you know, we see that, well, how do, you know, you, you've, you've been successful, what do you think I should do? I said, well, it's about being relentless, doing the detailed work and never saying no, never giving up, because you never know. I mean, it took us four and a half years to beat Fleet. A lot of times you want to say, hey, this is a tough entity to beat, but you never know because the last thing you do might be the thing that will get you over the top on it that will get you into the end zone, to get you that victory. So you just never, you never can stop. Because the one thing that uh, everybody has, you know, has a breaking point. All the entities have, everybody you go up against has a breaking point. Whether we took on Senator Phil Graham, uh, or, you know, all the campaigns that we've done. But, you know, so you've got to be relentless. And the thing that they fear the most is you're never going to go away. That's the thing. Because people can deal with the short-term pieces a lot of time. But that relentlessness is like saying, this is, you know, just think of yourself. Just saying that they're always going to be looking over their shoulder or who's behind them to say, or when they go to a social event or they go to something, are we going to disrupt that? Are we going to make it difficult? Are we going to expose... Uh, their affairs, you know, who their mistresses are, you know, you know, you know, are they going to be able to do all the stuff they want to stay in private? Well, you know, when you, when you take on NACA, or when we take you on, we are the junkyard dogs. Once we grab on, we never let go, no matter how long it takes. And, you know, that relentlessness has been the key to our success, because they're going to know that, and we continue to this day. We're, you're in a fight with us, you know, well, it's going to be until we win. Yeah, it's, you know. For the people, you know, not for NACA. So when we win, we always make sure that, you know, we build a strong organization, but the benefits have to go to the people that we represent. All right. It's like that final line that appears in the letter from you that is at the very beginning of our, our qualification workbook. There's a great letter from you in there, and the final line is, the fight continues. The battle is won, 
the war goes on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bruce, thank you again. Yeah, thank These you conversations are always so great. Thank you again for sharing all of this. And we're going to come back to this again real soon. There's going to be more conversations to come. Thank Thanks, you Tim. for joining us. Thank Enjoyed you, it. Bruce Marks. Thank you for joining us on this episode of NACA's American Dream Podcast. We'll see you again soon.